Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit OutreachChurch.net for downloads and service information. We just saying, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I just want to just give us an opportunity to see Jesus in every situation. Like right now, if you're facing a situation and on your own, you literally don't know There's worry, there's fear, there's anxiety, there's sleepless nights, there's restlessness, there's there's a tension, there's a dread even of what might come. If you're in that place right now, would you just stand up right where you are? Yeah, just stand right where you are. And listen, all we're going to do is this. We're going to fix our eyes on Him, the author and the finisher of our faith. And I just want to encourage you this morning that what started in faith finishes in faith. He didn't call you to step in by an act of faith and then work it out on your own, through your own schemes, your own cunning, your own plans. He called you in by faith and He wants to finish it by faith. And it's by keeping your eyes single, fixed on Jesus. Now you see this Jesus whom you've crucified is Savior and Lord. He wants to be Lord of that situation, but He won't demand it. But oh, if you ask Him, He'll come. And He'll be the Lord of that situation. And as long as your eyes are fixed on Him, as long as your eye is single, and you see only Jesus, that every time the enemy comes, every time that problem would rear its head, listen to me, I'm talking straight to you, every single time that enemy would rear its head and that that lie would come, all you have to do is fix your eyes on Jesus. Because listen, you're no longer a slave to that thing. You are no longer a slave. And, th- and that was decreed by Jesus on the cross when He died once and for all, forgiving and setting free every single captive. But here's the thing, just like the slaves that didn't know it, didn't live in it, there still came a day when that Master tried to come and tell them, you have to do this. And it was up to them to believe what was declared and say, no, I will no longer serve you. I will no longer do what you tell me to do. I will no longer. I no longer belong to you. I am no longer your property. I will never again listen to your voice and act. I have a new master. That voice will come. You've been set free, but I promise you, he doesn't want you to know that and believe that and live in it and walk in it. And the voice will come over and over and over again. And it's up to you to keep your eye fixed on Jesus and say, no. I will not. I no longer serve you. I have a new master. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I'm no longer a slave. There was a time when you owned me. You no longer own me. My life is no longer my own. It was bought with a price I don't even own me. Even if in this moment I wanted to, I can't because I have a new master and I'm a slave to righteousness, no longer a slave to sin. You don't own me. I don't own me. My life was bought with a price. It was the blood of Jesus Christ and I belong to Him. And you start actually declaring these things and speaking these things. It's not some like theoretical, oh, wouldn't it be good? It's the truth. And when the truth comes out of your mouth and you actually believe it, there's a power that it carries that actually will do exactly what you're declaring with your mouth. And it's by keeping your eye fixed on Jesus. So 
So God, I just thank you that every single person standing right now, and even the ones who didn't have the courage to, God, that are thinking right now of that giant in the valley, God, that our eyes would be fixed upon you, that we would actually see you standing in the place where there once was another master, where there once was fear, where there once was dread, uncertainty, anxiety, addiction. Whatever it is that stood there, we now see you, Jesus, standing there. And we see hope, and we see freedom, and we see truth, and we see love. God, I ask right now that our eyes would be recalibrated, that we would see you as Lord of everything, of all things, of every situation. That we would see you seated on your throne, high and exalted, lifted up and above all things. In Jesus' name that we would begin to declare to the old slave master that comes to us and tries to give an order, that expects us to do what we've always done, that we would begin to declare with our mouths, out loud, I no longer belong to you. My life does not belong to me. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus. Father, I thank you that we have that, that, that we have this truth that you bought and paid for us with a price that you thought our lives were worth the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. And I pray right now, God, that we would make you not only Savior, but Lord of every area of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. I promise you, if you start doing that, if you'd start declaring that with your mouth, and believing it. That's where your authority comes from. Your authority comes from the fact that you believe the truth. You can quote truth that you don't believe all day long. There's no authority on it. It's still the truth. But, but there's an authority on what you say when you actually believe what you're saying. And you're not repeating something trying to make something happen. You're repeating something because you know something has happened. Because you actually believe that He said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go you therefore. In my name. Go. In the name. That's what in Christ, Paul, over and over again. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. He keeps reminding us of this truth. You're hidden in Christ. Your life is in Christ. You're in Christ. What is he saying? You're in covenant with Jesus Christ. Your life is no longer yours. You're hidden with Christ. You're in Christ. And that's where your authority comes from, is the fact that you're in His name. It's not just a title. We don't just call ourselves Christians. It's actually believing that I am Christ's. And that I'm in Him and He's in me. We're in covenant together. And there's an authority when you believe that. Whenever that old master starts to speak, because trust me, He's going to come and talk. It's not as if you get born again and you get set free and He's like, oh, they're born again and set free. I can't talk to them anymore. No, He comes with a vengeance. Why? Because He's owned you for so long. He's owned that area of your life. He's been able to have access He's had a foothold in your life in that area. And he's used to when he speaks, you respond in a certain way. And when, you, when he speaks and you respond by declaring the truth that Jesus said over your life, something happens. I promise you, you cannot willfully obey the voice of the enemy while your eyes are fixed upon Jesus. You can't. Because no man can serve two masters so in that moment you have a choice which master will you serve the old one 
or the real one. You have that choice. No one can make it for you. It's up to you. That's why Joshua said to the people, choose this day whom you will serve. Why? Because you have to choose who will be the master of your life. No one can choose for you. I can't choose for you. Your husband, your wife, your kids, your friends, your spouse, nobody can make that choice for you. It's up to you to choose this day whom you'll serve. In that moment, when that old master starts to speak, it's up to you to choose whom you'll serve. There's always a way that you can choose Jesus. Always. You have never been confronted by something in which you were unable to choose Jesus in the midst of it, ever. Because God is faithful, He will not allow us to be tempted beyond that which we are able to stand. But with every temptation, will provide a means of escape. What is that means of escape? It's the blood of Jesus. It's Jesus is Lord. Just start declaring in that moment, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Like, you might look crazy to people. It's okay. I'd rather look crazy to people than go along with what I've always gone along with and end up where I always ended up before. I'd rather people look at me and say, what in the heck is this guy doing? So Peter was telling them, he's like, Now you see, what is he saying? He's saying, now you guys understand this truth. That this Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, God has made Him both Savior and Lord. You can know Him as Savior and not know Him as Lord in areas of your life, I promise you. You can say a prayer, you can believe that you need to be forgiven, and you can actually receive the forgiveness that was paid for on the cross and not actually make Him the Lord of every area of your life because you have to choose His Lordship. You have to actually choose it. Jesus is Lord. What you choose doesn't change the fact that He's Lord. What you choose determines whose Lordship you live under and the way that you live your life. I mean, it, it, not choosing Jesus as Lord doesn't do it any more than, than like C.S. Lewis said, than, than an insane man makes the sun disappear by writing there is no sun on the wall of asylum. It doesn't matter what you think or what you choose. It does nothing for, for the fact that Jesus is Lord for you to deny His Lordship, but it has everything to do with you and it has everything to do with your life and the way that you live. Choose this day whom you'll serve. When that, listen, when that voice starts, I know I'm talking specifically to some people. This is good for all of us, but there's some people specifically in here that you've wondered, if I'm free, then how come I still hear that voice? How come I still have that thought? How come I still have that fear? How come? And you've had that thought of, well, and I'll tell you, this is just for you. Listen, the reason why is because you have an enemy in the land who, go, land who goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And because he's looking for a foothold, because you have to give him one, he can't take one. That's why the word says, do not give the enemy a foothold. You have to give it to him. He cannot take a foothold in your life. But he'll take every one you give. And if our eye isn't single and fixed on him, other things will start to come in. And we'll start to see Jesus and... And then we'll be double-minded, unstable in all our ways, tossed about like a man on the sea. God, I just thank you for this truth to be so deeply implanted in our hearts, God, that we can't even see anything else. Jesus, that you would be so real 
that you would be so real in our lives that we can't even see something else. God, that we get to a place in you where we can't even imagine the way that things were. Where we see the lie and it's exposed, and once the lie is exposed, it no longer has any power or any hold in our lives. And we actually get to a place where we can't imagine turning our back on what we see to give ourselves to something that we don't. I just thank you for that, God. I thank you for a joy in this way of living coming up inside of us. Because your joy is our strength, God. I thank you that it's a joy to choose you, Jesus. That it's not a struggle and a burden. That it's a joy to choose you and believe you in every situation. And I thank you for that. Amen. All right, well, I don't think we have any announcements, so we'll take up our offering and we'll see you guys back next week. Oh, no, we're going to take up our offering. That was free. You're about to pay for the rest. (laughs) No, we're thankful that we have something to give. You can laugh in church. It's okay. If you don't believe in laughing, you're going to be shocked when you get to heaven, I believe. I really do. Like, I mean, I don't mean that sarcastically. I really mean, like, I think some people are going to be very shocked when they actually meet Jesus. Because he's not the guy in the painting doing this. The third finger's not right. I don't know. He's not. He's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. But he also cooked fish for his disciples on the seashore. He also went to a wedding party. Hung out with his friends. Turned water into wine. Gave people the opportunity to do something that he didn't want them to do because he wanted them to choose it rather than being forced to. They could have ran out of wine and everybody at the party could have sobered up really quickly. And I know there's people that would say, well, that would be Jesus' heart. No, God's heart has always been that you would choose him. That's why he put two trees in the garden. If he wanted us to make the choice for us and didn't want us to have a choice, there would have only been one tree. So Jesus makes wine at a wedding where people are drinking. Why? Because the people who didn't drink too much and didn't get drunk, he wanted it to be because there was a choice, not because they had to. Why? He always wants us to choose him. I promise you he does. He wasn't tempting them. He was putting wine in front of people. You could drink responsibly. You could not get drunk if you wanted to. He's not about going ahead of you as a janitor and making sure that there's nothing that you can choose outside of him. I promise you. He's about saying... Yeah, there's other stuff out there, but I'm better. Come to me. Find me. Choose me. And I'll show you how much better I am. But not because there's a lack of choice. It's always been his heart that we would choose him. That's why he gave man a free will and said, choose this day whom you'll serve. That's why he put him in a garden and said, you can have everything. Just don't eat that one thing. And it's always that way with him. Like the good always outweighs the negative. It's always... Everything is yours. Everything belongs to you. You can have everything here. Every good thing is given for you to eat and animals for you to eat and fish and all this stuff and the fruit. But just don't touch that one thing. Why? Well, because that's not for you. Because I have something better for you and I want you to choose the better thing. Not because you have to, but because you've seen me and you've actually chose me. Sometimes I think that There's so much that we don't experience because God's waiting for us to get to a place where He can actually share the things with us that He wants to without them being a harm to us. 
I, I, I had um, my son Jackson wanted a laptop, and he he's always using mine, and, and he was filling mine up with downloading all these mods and stuff like that for a game he plays, and I was tired of every time I needed to use my laptop having to yell, Jackson, where's my laptop, you know, so he saved money, and he had enough money to buy a laptop, and, and for two months now, he's had enough money, and he kept asking me for it over and over again, and finally, a couple weeks ago, we were talking, and I said, I said, he said, well, why can't we get one, and I said, because, buddy, I wouldn't be a good dad if I didn't teach you what it is to be content with what you have. You might like me in the moment, but there's a time coming where you'd realize that I didn't actually teach you the things that I should teach you, and I have to father you. I love you, and I want to give you things, but I need to teach you things along the way, and what I would really love is for you to learn what it is to be content with what you have so that I can give you other things, and it's not adding to a problem, it's actually blessing you. And what he didn't understand is the whole time we're having this conversation, I had already bought him a laptop a long time before that one came up that was a good deal with the money that he had and so I bought it for him and it was sitting there and it was waiting to be given to him but I wasn't going to give it to him until it became something that wasn't going to be a bigger problem and add to a problem I wanted him to get to a place in his heart where he was content with what he had so I could add other things to it and I think the father's like that and I know my heart was just bursting to give it to him like it took all I had to to wait to give it to him because I have this good thing and I know that he really wants it. I know it's going to be awesome and he'll have fun and he'll enjoy it. And I want so badly to give it to him, but I also want so badly for him to be in a place where he can actually enjoy what I want to give him and it would be a blessing and not a curse. And I honestly believe I saw the heart of our Father in that, that, that He has all these amazing things for us and He's going, Roy, you don't understand, I've already paid for it. It's already waiting for you. But I want you to get to a place where I can give this to you and it will be adding to your life, not to your problems. Because he's a father. And he wouldn't be a good father if he didn't actually father us. The Holy Spirit's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, but Jesus, I mean, God is a father. And they, they have different roles in our lives. And He is determined to father us because we're His children and He wants the best for us. So if there are things, this, maybe someone needs to hear this. Aww. She doesn't want to hear it. She wants everything now. You know what? She was born that way. No one had to teach her that. Every one of us is born that way. Every one of us is born into sin. Every one of us is born into selfishness. Every one of us is born into Adam. That's why every single one of us has to be born again into Christ. And the self has to die so that we can actually be alive. Every single one of us. No one taught, no one taught a kid to say, mine. But someone had to teach that kid how to share. Why? Because you're naturally born selfish. Becoming someone who actually loves and wants to give is a, something that you have to learn. It's something that has to be changed in your heart. It's something that has to be done. That's why every one of us had to die. You know, it, like, it takes trust. Think about Jesus. He had to trust that Him actually physically dying, that the Father would raise Him from the dead. 
He had to actually entrust himself to the, that's what he said. He said when he was beaten, when he was reviled, all these things, he didn't offer it in return, but instead kept entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. What was he saying? I'm not putting my trust in these people because if I put my trust in them, I'd come down off the cross and I'd walk away and say they weren't worth it. Who was he trusting? He was trusting the Father and saying, if I give up my life, he'll raise me to new life. And along with that, a lot of my brothers and sisters will come with me. And at some point in our lives, we have to entrust ourselves into his hands the same way and entrust that if I actually die, that he'll raise me to newness of life. Because you can hold on to that life of yours as long as you want to. He won't pry it from your hands. You know, we teach that, you know, that God's just this hammer that's just beating people into submission. It's the kindness of God that leads us to change the way that we think. It's his kindness. Life circumstances will beat us. And hopefully sometimes they beat us to a point where we can't take anymore. We come to the end of ourselves and we cry out to the one thing that's greater than us. But it's not the Father beating you into submission. It's life beating you. It's the Father saying, I have better for you. Just trust me. And at some point, like Jesus, every one of us will have to entrust our lives into his hands and trust that if I die to myself, to these dreams, to these goals, to all this stuff that I thought life was about, to this relationship, if I die to this thing, to this fun, to this habit, to this addiction, to this hobby, whatever it is that's ruling my life, if I will die to that, he will raise me to newness of life and it will be so much better than what I had before. Just like Jesus did. Trusting that he has something better. Trusting that Jesus already paid for so many things that he wants to give us, but he doesn't want them to be a harm. He wants them to be a blessing. I don't want to get to heaven. Like, can you imagine if for the rest of, like, if for four years my son would have every day been like, I need a laptop, and been miserable, and I would have been like, you're not content. And I wouldn't have gave it to him, and then four years later, like, the thing's worthless to him. The, 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 the technology is so far behind it can't even be used for anything but a typewriter, you know? And, like... And, and, and can you imagine him getting to that age and being like, Dad, why didn't you ever buy me a laptop? I had the money even. And being, being like, son, I bought it for you four years ago. It's still in the box. All that was waiting for was you, not me. I wasn't holding back from you. I was waiting for you to get to a place where I could give you what I wanted to give you and it would be a blessing to you. Son, I paid for that a long time ago. It's been sitting on the shelf. I don't want to get to the end of my life and find out there were so many things that Jesus paid for that stayed on a shelf because I never actually died to myself enough that God could give me those things without them being a harm to me. It's like word, right? Like people, everyone wants revelatory word from God. Everybody wants to hear God speak. The truth of the matter is a lot of people aren't hearing from God because you haven't acted on, you haven't done, you haven't stewarded the last thing he spoke to you. And he doesn't want to heap condemnation on you by giving you more words that you'll be accounted for when you haven't even been responsible for the ones that he's given you. God, I just want to hear you speak. No, you don't. Because if you're not going to obey what he's already said, why would you obey what he's about to say? The way that you prove that you want to hear him speak is by being obedient to the things he spoke. Because if you don't love your brother whom you have seen, how can you say that you love God whom you haven't? If you can't be obedient to the word that you have seen, how on earth would you say that you'd be obedient to the word that you don't see? 
That was a good chance for you guys to say amen. No, 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 no. It, listen. David did. Look, okay, David's practically got a halo, though. Dude's been a worship leader and sold out for God forever. All right, so he, you don't count. The rest of you missed a golden opportunity to say that was good. And no, you can't say it after I say that. It's too late and it doesn't count. I don't want your pity, that's good. I don't need your sympathy, amens. You can keep them. I brought my own encouragement. Anyways, I woke up encouraged. He lives inside of me. His name's Holy Spirit. He's a comforter. He's an encourager. I'm serious. Listen, when I'm up here speaking this stuff, I can feel his pleasure on it. I can feel him inside me, urging me on, spurring me on. I'm speaking from one line to the next. I have no idea what's going to come next. I'm trusting that the, as I'm saying this, he's going to give me the next thing. That's the way I preach most of the time. I prepare notes, then I get up here, and I turn my back on him and leave him there. And then I grab him after church because I somehow have this pipe dream that maybe next Sunday I'll preach what's on the paper. But it's way more fun to just sit there and... It is, it's way more, man, this, this is way more fun to me to actually just go with every word that he's speaking in the moment because I know that he's so much more committed to reaching the heart of every person in this place than I am. I trust that. I trust that he's way more committed to all of us growing and becoming more like Jesus than I am. He is, he's so much more committed to you looking like his son than you are. He just wants you to actually let go and trust that and let it happen. Believe that he really wants to. Believe that he really has good things for you. Who wants to get to the end of their life and be like, God, I thought you said in your word that this and this and that and that and you would and you would and all this stuff. And God, and I didn't see, you know, I saw some of it. I hardly saw any of the stuff that happened. And God said, listen, that stuff was paid for so long. It was sitting on a shelf and all it was waiting for was you. It was waiting just for you. Well, I've had these words spoken over my life and I feel like they're not coming to pass. I promise you it's not God who's slack. I promise you he hasn't forgotten. But there's a choice we make in life. Like you make real choices and they really do matter. Well, you know, someone told me this. Listen, that could totally be God's heart for you, but if you don't actually walk in obedience, you can miss out on things that He really desired to give to you. Because I really desired to give the laptop to my son, but I really wasn't going to give it to him until he got to a place where he could receive it. And if you don't think that's true, open. we talked about this a few months ago, but for those of you guys who weren't here, you can open your Bible up to the book of Samuel and you can read where the prophet Samuel walks up to Saul and says, Today God would have established your line on the throne forever, but you disobeyed. And because of that, He's taken it from you and it's on another. If you think that your choices, if I think that my choices, if we think that the little things that we do every day don't matter in the big picture because God's spoken this or God's spoken that. Listen, a prophetic word over your life is simply a declaration of God's heart for you and what He desires for you. But from here to here, there's a lot of choices that get made by you. He's not a puppet master in heaven controlling strings and walking you towards your destiny. He's a father that's loving you and encouraging you into what He has for you and allowing you as a son to come along and choose into it. 
Well, I just know that someday this will happen because God said, like someone gave me a prophetic word, listen, that was a declaration of God's heart for your life. And if you walk the course he has for you and you remain obedient, it's not all dependent on you, but a lot of things do depend on you. Because Saul could have had his family's name established on the throne forever. But he chose to be disobedient because he feared the people and saw them leaving and sacrificed early and did what he wasn't supposed to do. And he said, today God would have. He was not lying when he said that. He really meant today God would have. But you. Matters. These things matter. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. Who said anything about condemnation? But there's a day coming when we'll stand before him and he'll wipe away every tear. I wonder if maybe that won't be part of that seeing the things that we could have had that we actually didn't step into. Because there's no sickness, there's no pain in heaven. But it'll wipe away every tear, every sorrow. I wonder if maybe when we get there we won't realize what was available to us here on earth that we didn't choose into. And he'll have to wipe away the tears. And then we'll enter in. I'm just saying it could be. Here comes that point now where I feel like I've come to the end of what he wanted me to say with that stuff and I'm trying to figure out how to transition into the message (laughs) and play it cool. Actually, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Nice. Um, Actually, there's there's, there's two things I want to do. We had a wedding here yesterday. And um, Hannah and Jason, Hannah Blair and Jason Holloway got married. And yeah, yes. (laughs) And Hannah, listen, Hannah's like a daughter to a lot of people here, like a sister to a lot of people here. She's an amazing girl with an amazing story. And a lot of us have walked through a lot of things from where she was to where she is now. And getting to stand up here and see her totally transformed and giving her life to a godly man and being joined together with him was just, it was so beautiful. Um, but afterwards, there was a reception and there were some people from our church who made something that outside of their doing and sacrificing and giving could never have happened for her on her wedding day. And, I, and, and they did it for her because she's a member of our family and because they're a beautiful part of our family. And I really want to honor them and thank them for opening their home. Don't please let us do this don't for honoring and opening up your home and being hospitable and giving of your time your resources and everything that God's given you and stewarding well the things that he's entrusted into your care and so um Leslie and Mark would you guys just stand up real quick and Colleen and all the other people that helped come on Colleen stand up yeah And Kristen, and Kristen, who transformed our sanctuary into this classy, beautiful place for that ceremony to happen. Thank you guys from our family, from our whole family. Thank you guys so much for giving. Thank you. Yeah, we pray blessing over you and your households. We just pray that the things that you've given, that God would repay you for the things that man can't. Yeah, and his interest is so much better than ours. I promise you, that's the economy you want to be tied into.
right? Why? Because what, what are we doing? What we're saying is, God, I'll be faithful and I'll be responsible to steward the things that you've given me well. And I won't have them just for myself and to be selfish with them. I'll actually have an open hand. And God, if there's any way that I can use what you've given me to be a blessing to other people, I will. And when we have that heart, when that's really the posture of our heart, he can't help himself from pouring out more into those people. Why? Because the one who stewarded faithfully was always rewarded with more of what they had stewarded. Yeah. So thank you guys. All right. Stand up real quick. Yeah, everybody, stand up real quick. Look around. Find somebody you don't know, haven't seen in a long time, or would like to know. Say hey to them and welcome them. Make them feel welcome here.